0: Good morning. Good yeah, I, I, I want to share this just off the top. Um, just to confess, kind of ran out of some time this week, uh, and um, not as much time to prepare as I, I would have liked. Here's the thing, I mean, lots of, I had lots of big plans for the message, thought it was going to be awesome, life-changing, you know, powerful, but things came up. Darcy wanted to play tennis, I had to take care of my garden. Uh, NBA championships, French Open, uh, NCAA softball championships, right? <laughs> and, and then last week's sermon compelled me to watch every episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, this is the way. Is the way. I, I wasn't, so I just wasn't feeling it. I mean, I was, I was, I felt tired. I'm overworked. I mean, you should talk to my boss about this. I'm feeling overworked thought I deserved a little extra sleep, and I got to thinking, you probably already know your Bible. This is Fellowship Bible Church. I mean, so you probably already know your Bible, and, and taking a look at you guys, you look, you look as about as smart as you're going to get, right there. Uh, you look pretty wise enough. In fact, the more I think about it, I'm actually doing you a favor, right? Now you can get out early, find a spot for brunch, take a nap this afternoon, so you should thank me. Yeah, Thanks. I'm kidding, all right? Obviously, I'm kidding. Um, I don't preach often in fellowship, but I'm smart enough to know that that wouldn't fly. Uh, But that behavior isn't uncommon in the workplace. Uh, Studies show that uh, 20% of the workday is spent goofing off, 20%. Uh, They say if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. But for the rest of us, Um, it's estimated that we'll spend 90,000 hours throughout our lifetime working. That works out to spending about one-third of your life at work or about half of our non-sleeping hours. That is assuming that people aren't sleeping on the job. And that's not a joke. I looked at a bunch of polls about worker satisfaction, worker engagement. Uh, COVID messed with a lot of people's uh, kind of orientation around the work. And while worker satisfaction is up, Uh, uh, reaching 60% in some polls, uh, worker engagement is down. One global poll by Gallup showed only 13% of workers uh, were fully engaged. Uh, Apparently, people are satisfied with less engagement and with more flexibility and more benefits. People are looking for a job where they can make a lot of money and get a bunch of perks and not have to work very hard. That's a sweeping generalization, I know. Um, But ask a kid coming out of college if that that isn't his dream. What does that mean? Does it it matter? Uh, Does God care about the motives and the manner of our work? A a brief history of work. The Bible opens with God hard at work, hard at work. In Genesis 1, we see God skillfully uh, working, crafting, and creating the universe. And then God entrusts meaningful work. Uh, to human beings. Genesis 2.15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So there is Adam at work, and this is before the fall. What the fall did in Genesis 3 as a result of sin, work became labor. Uh, It became hard and frustrating and at times thorny and fruitless. But in the new covenant, though, in Jesus, work has been redeemed. And we are called, mysteriously, we're called co-laborers with God. God doesn't need our work, okay? But he gives value and meaning and purpose to our work. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The implication there is that work matters. The way we walk and the way we work has value and significance, and and you may argue, you may sit here and argue that that your work, your job, your retirement, your managing the home, it couldn't be the good works that Paul is referring to in that passage in uh, Ephesians, the work that God has ordained, and I get that. It may seem uh, to you from your vantage point that it's menial, that it's uh, unspiritual, uh, or that it doesn't fit the way you believe that God has uniquely shaped you and, and made you. But look at all these verses. Here's one, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. Ephesians 6:7 from the New Living Translation, work with enthusiasm. As though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. And then finally in Proverbs 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit to the Lord whatever you do would be part of the translation from in other places. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. That's your good works. Last week we kicked off uh, a new series, right? Monty kicked off a new series uh, and and we're turning to uh, Proverbs and it's entitled The Way of wisdom. And when it comes to wisdom, there are two paths. There's the, the word and the world. There's man's way, there's God's way. One seems right, the other is right. One is a dead end, the other has no end. The way of wisdom for those of us who are living in the world but not of the world but who find our identity in Christ is seeing and responding to life from God's perspective. It is both an attitude and an action. It is a path you can take. It is a gift that you can receive. It is a skill that you can develop. Money said last week that the wisdom of Proverbs, that it's embodied in Jesus Christ, perfectly embodied in Christ, and more specifically in relationship to the message this morning, Christ is the very embodiment of a wise worker. In fact, the work he accomplished on the cross that we just finished celebrating so wonderfully around the, the, the table today is the ultimate example of a job well done. One might say that Jesus worked himself to death for our sake. Now, I'm not saying that we should do that. I'm a recovering workaholic, so I know that there needs to be limits and boundaries and balance. All right? But the why of work matters. The way that we work matters. God cares about the work, his work, and ours. Two ways and wise to work. Before um, the model of Jesus, Solomon used the role model of the ant. Here's the contrast this morning. You'll find throughout Proverbs, so often Solomon is setting up this contrast between one thing and another, between the way uh, of the word and the way of the world, between the way of the wise and the way of the foolish. Um, a, a contrast this morning to be not of the world, but uh, to live in it, two ways we can work, two kinds of workers. And the contrast is set up in this verse in Proverbs 6.6 6, that's on your outline. Go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Consider the ant, the ant. There are one million ants, for every human being on earth. How would you do against one million ants? i just just picturing this. Uh, uh, but ants are amazing creatures, right? Uh, they, they can lift over 50 times their body weight, similar to, to, uh, to me lifting an automobile. So it is kind of believable, uh, right? Uh, here's this image, cute little guys. And they're girls. Uh, it's, it's always it's amazing how often the, the good things in Scripture are the she's. Uh, we'll get to that later. But uh, so here they are, and, and they live in these communities, these colonies. And the largest colony of uh, ant colony stretched stretched out uh, 3,600 miles. I'm still trying to get my, my head wrapped around that. Billions of ants. And this picture here, uh, just I was just captivated. This these are guys. Who are excavating uh, an ant colony that's an ant colony I would not excavate an ant colony um, just saying but but every ant in that colony every ant has a, a very specific function every ant has a job to do There's soldier ants they protect the colony harvester ants they go after the food Weaver ants produce silk threads, and they use that to sew leaves together for shelter. Carpenter ants hollow out tree stumps. Uh, slave maker ants, they raid other ant colonies and steal away the larvae, uh, which then grow up as slaves for their colony. Today we call that corporate raiders. Uh, but every, <laughs> every ant contributes in a unique way. Every ant has a specific task. Um, and, uh, and, and a unique way in which they contribute towards the community, towards the colony. Solomon urges us to consider the ant and to observe the ant specifically specifically for its work ethic. We learn in uh, Proverbs 6, 7, and 8, the, the verses that follow the one we read, just a moment again, that the ant doesn't have, doesn't have any chief, it doesn't have an officer, it doesn't have a ruler, but she doesn't mess around when the boss isn't watching. She just does her job. She sticks with the task. Uh, The ant's motivated and dedicated, and it shows forethought and foresight. In contrast, the essence of the slugger that we'll talk about in just a moment, it's procrastination. It's putting off tomorrow what what should be, could be done today. The ant doesn't do that. And in effect, God is saying, Why can't you be like the ant? So when your child, uh, you know, doesn't do their chores, doesn't make their bed, when when your employee doesn't show up on time, um, you can use that line to motivate them, all right? Why can't you be more like the ant? I want you to try that and just see how that goes. But uh, if you don't have compelling work in your life, then you are tempted not to work in your life. You will be less satisfied and less engaged. And Proverbs provides some wise for us: the rewards of hard work. God's wisdom, when applied, it has benefits. God's wisdom works, and it's well beyond your 401k and and bagel Wednesday. All right. First and foremost, it's to attain basic necessities: food, shelter clothing. If you are able-bodied, it's up to you to provide for your basic needs. And if you're the head of the household, that's a basic lesson in scripture. And so it says in Proverbs 16, 26, a worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. His hunger, in other words, his hunger drives him um, to get food, uh, to, uh, to, to find and to meet his own needs and the needs of his family. That drives him. We've all seen uh, maybe those photos during the the Great Depression, and they're holding up a sign, we'll work for food, right? And they're looking, they're not looking for handouts. Uh, Work has uh, dignity to it, and and they're willing to do whatever uh, they could, whatever needed to be done to provide. And so we see investment bankers, you know, selling apples, and you do what you have to do. But Proverbs goes beyond just that basic reward of of establishing and meeting our our, uh, central needs. Uh, Proverbs 10.4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Uh, Again, this isn't a promise, all right? This is uh, proverbial language. It's statistically more probable that wealth comes from hard work, from putting in a full day's work, for a full day's pay, rather than doing the minimum and, and, and avoiding responsibility. Skilled labor also produces an ever-widening scope of opportunity. Uh, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine 29 says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So if you want to increase your odds of advancement, if you, if you want to have greater influence, uh, a, a, a larger testimony, um, greater responsibility, then be skilled in your labor. Uh, work hard, harder, and smarter. Uh, be good at it. Be good at your job. Learn and develop and grow and gain in that way. In the end, uh, this kind of worker, like the ant, uh, uh, is to be praised and rewarded. Once you go uh, you can go to the end of the book and so said it's a summary of, of many of the principles and practices in proverbs but it, the virtuous wife right in proverbs 31 familiar to many of you incredibly hard working lady uh, proverbs 31 uh, it says she seeks uh, wool and flax and works with willing hands she's like the ships of the merchant she brings her food from afar she rises while it is yet night And provides food for her household. And then at the end of all that, in verse 31, it says, Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Now, I've been a a pastor pretty much my entire uh, adult life. But I was out of vocational church ministry for somewhere around six years. And I I had to find something uh, to do. Um, and, and it was uh, it was tough on a bunch of fronts. Um, in fact, I remember the first uh, person I, I I spoke with, they were like, "You've been a pastor all those years. Uh, I I don't know if you have any viable skills." And it's <laughs> like, "What does that mean exactly?" Um, this was not something someone. This was someone in the secular realm who didn't quite understand what pastors do or don't do, and that may include you at times, maybe even me at times. Um, but it was, it was difficult on many fronts, emotionally and, and relationally and spiritually and financially. It's a long story. But say, I promise you that God was faithful. God was faithful to provide. And, um, and I, I got a point of like, I'll do whatever I need to do. Um, recognizing a job is more than just a job. It's a tool to change us. It's uh, to test us and to grow us up. It matters. It matters. God God has a compelling why uh, to our work and generous rewards when uh, our motives are humble and our methods are pure and the mode of our work is marked with diligence and dedication. We of all people ought to be freed up and empowered by those truths around work. And again, I'm not talking about being a, a workaholic. I'm not talking about sacrificing your health or sacrificing your family our identity is not our work, uh, found in our work. Our worth isn't in our work. Our joy is not dependent upon uh, our jobs. Uh, work isn't an idol, right, to, to worship. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for them. And because we work for an audience of one, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, pleasing our earthly bosses. I'm not, I'm not suggesting you should figure out a way to displease them either but you recognize that ultimately you work for an audience of one and as a result the praise and reward that we truly long to hear that we want to hear deep in our souls it might be summarized in these words in Matthew 25 23 well done now good and faithful servant you've been faithful in a few things right and now I'll put you in charge of many things enter the joy of your master he, he's rewarding labor there initiative and Dedication and and sacrifice, a a life lived well. Proverbs 3.24, it says that the sleep of the laborer is sweet. This is after you've done everything that God wanted you to do. Um, You've lived a faithful day, and the sun goes down, and you've finished up, and it's time to put your head on the pillow and rest. It says the sleep of the laborer is sweet. And and what's more is that we we get to work, in Christ, we get to work, I I believe, from a place of rest. Not just for rest, but from a place of rest because of what Christ has done for us. But the world's way is often different. It puts self first. It puts sleep first. It puts pleasure first. It puts vacation and recreation first. And that path also has consequences Uh, proverbs uh, 21 16 it says he who loves pleasure will become poor whoever loves wine and oil will never be rich so introducing the sluggard that word is used 18 times in scripture 16 of those times um, in in proverbs the other two i think once in ecclesiastes and one in 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 judges i believe um, but have you ever studied the sluggard passages? Just, you know, sometimes you do a topical study. Um, anyone? Uh, but it's very fascinating. This is an interesting guy. And what does he look like? And so we, I had pictures of, uh, you know, a, an ant, and I was going, well, so I, a sluggard. I don't know. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a, I don't know if I should say it. I'm not a huge cat fan. But, but cats, cats sleep like 15 hours a day. Oh, and this is the, the sloth, right? The sloth, did you know the sloth sleeps 20 hours a day? 20 hours a day. 20 hours a day. And have you ever seen the, 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 the YouTube kind of things where the sloth is like crossing the road? The other four hours, it's getting to the middle of the road, right? And needs a little help. But um, the sluggard, <laughs> Proverbs 6, 9 through 11, it says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. The sluggard loves to sleep. There's nothing wrong with a little sleep, okay? Uh, we all need sleep. Some of us, uh, for sure, would benefit from, from getting more sleep, and if your your job in this season is to manage, uh, you know, multiple uh, preschoolers, or to be a grandparent and have them all at your place, you could benefit from a little more sleep. I get it, but the problem is the love of sleep. Proverbs 26:14 it says, "As the door turns on its hinges, so the sluggard in his so the sluggard is in his bed." Um, now, I Here's the image there. It's like that's the labor of their day. It's to, to find a comfortable position to sleep. They're tossing and turning how to get the pillows just perfectly arranged and find the right number on their sleep bed and, and what's the best position for sleeping. That's what he's saying. The sluggard is, is, is making constant excuses for their, for their, for their lack of, of follow-through, for their laziness and it really borders on kind of ridiculous. Proverbs 22, 13, it says, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll, I'll, I'll be killed in the streets. That's a good excuse for not going to school. Uh, or, there's a lion outside. It's a jungle out there. Um, maybe, this is, uh, maybe this is the guy who invented Zoom meetings. Um, you know. um, so, so I get that fears and anxieties are very real right? Uh, very crippling at, at times. Um, but we, we need to sort out the difference between explanations and excuses. Just sort that out. Consequences of laziness. Uh, the sluggard, um, they have hopes and dreams. Uh, they have desires, they have aspirations, but nothing ever comes of it because they're completely unwilling to work for it, uh, to put his, his, his faith into action. Um, Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And again, in Proverbs 21, 25, the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. So it, it just torments him. All the things that he wants, all the things that he longs for, uh, they just don't come to pass because he doesn't invest in, 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 in laboring for them. He doesn't put his hands to work. It doesn't work for them. So I pictured this. Maybe it's already been you know, made into a movie. I don't know. But a man still living at home with his parents at age 40. And mom's still making him lunch. I mean, she's still cutting the crust off of the PBJ. And uh, he, he's in bed until noon, and, and then he plays, he plays Halo the rest of the, the day. And, um, uh, y- you know, he, he's overqualified uh, or underqualified. Um, but certainly lacks motivation, and, and, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to be messing, you know, with somebody's place <laughs> this morning. But, but seriously, <laughs> before we, though, think too much of ourselves, and, and tried to cast a pretty, you know, extreme example there. But before we think too much of ourselves, aren't we all prone to at least think about avoiding work that we don't want to do? that we don't like, work that we think is too hard for us or work that is below us, right? Uh, work that we don't think matters. Um, uh, this morning, uh, you know, uh, like most Sundays got here and one of my, my early jobs on Sunday mornings is to bring in the trash cans. And I thought, why am I bringing in the trash cans? I'm preaching this morning. So I brought, so I brought in the trash cans. But I've been been a slugger in some of those moments, and and maybe maybe you have as well. So many verses here. Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. There was a a window of opportunity for him to to, uh, uh, get his crops in the ground, and he missed it. There there was a a growing season, but it's over. He missed it. And even more amazing in that Proverbs, he looks, he looks for the harvest. He's looking for it, and he, he, he didn't know why it's not there. Um, he's shocked. The deadline for applying for classes, it comes and goes, and then the register gets a phone call from someone, and, and they want to register, and, and well, that, that, uh, uh, that ended a week ago, and they're like, Uh, What's amazing is how angry the guy gets on the phone (laughs) towards the person who they're talking to, right? And and so it says in Proverbs 19.3, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. God, how could you let this happen to me? And he never traces it back to his own laziness. He's always a day late and a dollar short. He starts uh, projects and, and, and doesn't finish them. He's basically fighting laziness his entire life, and it's pervasive. It, it, it impacts his, his spiritual growth. It impacts his family, it, it, all this stuff. Proverbs 15, 19, it says, The way of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Now, every, day, every day, you're going to uh, uh, face a choice of going one of two ways. You can go the easy way or the hard way. The easy way is the way of procrastination. It's the way of staying in bed. It's the way of saying it doesn't matter whether I work today or or not. It doesn't matter what time I show up. It doesn't matter if I leave early. The easy way is the way of saying, you know, boss isn't around anyway and nobody's watching and it's good enough for government work. And and it, it's saying tomorrow. It's It's no plans and no enthusiasm and and in, in, in no devotion and dedication and diligence, the easy way, the way of the sluggard, the way of the fool. Understand something, all of us are born on the easy way. The Bible says, Proverbs 22:15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. We're born wanting to go the easy way. Uh, that's what the sin nature does. Uh, take a shortcut. Cheat if necessary. Cut some corners. Get, get quick uh, uh, at any cost. Take it easy. Do you know the, the ironic thing, though, between the easy way and the hard way, between the easy road and the hard road, between God's way and the way of the world, the easy road uh, looks easy, but once you get on it, it turns into the hard road. And the hard road looks hard, but once you do the hard thing, uh, it turns out to be the easy thing. The easy road is deceptive, right? Sin is deceptive. Uh, temptation, pleasure, all those things, they're deceptive. And, it, and it's the way of destruction and poverty and starvation and, and de, de, uh, desperation. And, 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 it, and it is the way of total financial collapse. It's, it's a wasted day and, and a wasted week and a wasted month and a wasted life. It's retire and die. But the hard road, which appears so difficult... Uh, is most likely uh, to be the road to prosperity, the road of spiritual and emotional and sometimes even financial uh, wealth and blessing, the road of fulfillment and happiness and personal satisfaction and joy, the road of opportunity to make a difference in people's lives and to make a difference in our world. It's the way of the wise. John Coltrane um, was a great uh, saxophonist, and I, I don't know much about his life, but uh, there was a famous album uh, called A Love Supreme in which Coltrane wrote the liner notes, and um, the liner notes are the notes that would be put on, for some of you who, who, who never heard of these things, but uh, albums, um, vinyl albums, and they came with covers, and on those covers were liner notes, okay? And, and he wrote this. During the year 1957, I experienced, by the grace of God, a spiritual awakening. At that time, in gratitude, I humbly asked to be given the means and privilege to make others happy through music. To inspire them for living meaningful lives because there certainly is meaning to life. All praise to God. That he, John, like all of us, is under the curse of the fall. And before this, his experience with music was that he was making music so that he could make a name for himself. And, and, and then if people uh, liked that music, if they applauded him, if they bought the albums, then, then his work would be significant. He would be significant. But then he had an experience of God's grace and love, and it changed the reason that he did his work, that he did music. He says, when I experienced that love, I turned around and said, from now on, I want to offer my music to make other people happy, and as an offering to God. When he became assured of who he was in and through the love of God, suddenly the music wasn't about him. It wasn't about, look at me. Suddenly the music, his work, was not for his sake. His work was for music's sake. It was for the listener's sake because it was for God's sake. And that's when it became an offering to God. It became something he was doing for others and not for himself, and that changed everything. When work is your meaning in life, when work is the way you make a name for yourself, it's exhausting. It's so exhausting that no matter uh, the number of of vacations, it'll never be enough. No matter the uh, amount of pay, it'll never be enough. No, No number of promotions or recognition will ever be enough. Uh, Our work has been broken and we're all experiencing uh, the thorns and we're all experiencing the exhaustion. We're restless and unsatisfied and we're searching for meaning and longing for more. But there is a better way in Christ. Christ who took those thorns, he took them upon his head and he said it is finished the ultimate work has been done so that now you might live in response to such good work by doing the same thing that he has done by living lives of meaning and purpose and dedication as unto the lord it's not about us all that we are all that we have all that we do it's all it's all for jesus Offered up to him, commit your work to the Lord. Our so what for this morning is is just to consider your work. For us to consider our work. There's a always this big question that comes up around this, and that is why do you work? Why go? Why why get up in the morning? What's your motivation? Does your work matter? Does it matter to you? Do you think it matters to anybody else that it matters to God? What do you think God sees and what would God say about the way that you work? Because there is no separation. Somehow, this is, this is my, 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 my spiritual offering to the Lord is, is what I do and I experience and what I give on Sundays and then the rest of the week. Consider the ant and consider the sluggard and be honest with yourself and ask, is there anything that needs to change? about the meaning or the mode or the method of my work. Any wisdom from the word that needs to be applied. Let's take a moment. Let's consider these things. God, we thank you this morning that that we're the fruit of your labor. Thank you for the work of creation. All that we get to see and enjoy at the work of your hands. So much creativity, so much initiative and so much giving. And then to see that to see that in your son, Jesus who went about your business who did the hard work for our sake. God, those are are high and holy examples but they are examples for us. So help us to consider that so much of our lives is spent on the job whatever that job may be whatever it is that you've given for us to do God help us to be wise with our work to see that it really does matter that there is something of significance and meaning that moves beyond the the title beyond the activity and the function Help us to find work that is meaningful, that suits us and fits us and and also benefits us and others. God, you tell us in your word in James 1 that if anyone lacks wisdom, that they should ask. I'm asking. We're asking for wisdom because we need it. Because work is hard because it has been broken. Because it is messy, because we we at times are exhausted, because we are confused, because we do stumble, because we are prone to take that easy road, to take shortcuts, and think it's all about us. So give us wisdom, give us a new and better way, and help us to grow our faith, our desire to trust you, be obedient. to follow that path that you've set before us. God, show us favor, I pray, in our day-to-day lives and in our work. We ask this, we seek this, we need this, in your name, I pray. And all God's people said.